0: Hey, good morning. Again, it is so good to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, can you listen quickly? If I talk quickly, <laughs> all right. If you take your celebration guides, if you are a guest today, maybe your first, second, or third time, we invite you to please fill out the registration portion, rip it off at the perforation, and then put it in the offering plate when it comes around that's all we ask you to do is just give us the record that you were here so we can write you a letter and tell you thank you. Now, if you'll read, there's a lot of things in here that, that are coming up that I don't have time to go into detail. One of the ones that's kind of fun. Y'all remember that guy Gallagher that used to smash the pumpkins? The youth are gonna be doing that tonight. So smashing pumpkin night, along with everything else. Yeah, be great. And please read about the annual golf tournament. Uh, if you would, please. And um, on the back, this is man up guys, man up week, which we have once a month. Would love to have you be a part of that. We have anywhere from 85 to a hundred men that come on to that Tuesday night. We'd love to have you be a part of that. Um, the focus on the family, focus on the family evaluation or um, is, is um, next week, Friday, Friday and Saturday. And I think we've got over, over 170 people already signed up. There's room for more. It is free. It is, it is an unbelievable opportunity. And it's not that big of an, um, a bother really time-wise because it's like about an hour and a half or so on Friday evening and a couple of hours on Saturday till 12 or 12.30 and you're done. It is, it is, but it's a great, great learning opportunity. We'd love to have you come and be a part of that. As you can see, uh, our church has put together and you've purchased uh, the, uh, the uh, things that are needed for what are, I don't know what's all in these boxes. Everything. Everything. Operation Christmas Child. And I just get excited when I think about kids somewhere that don't get anything and their faces when they open that and pull out all that stuff. And there's a lot crammed in there. So we're just so thankful um our church has put this together 400 something they said in the first service 413. 413 um so we're very we're grateful for that so what I'd like to do right before we ask you to um stand and welcome people around you is let's just have a word of prayer over these so father as we come to you this morning it's to ask you for your power and your wisdom we do not know you know even now where each and every one of these boxes will go. And our prayer is that it will open the door for the message of Jesus Christ and the, and the love that he has for those that will be receiving it. And we ask you to work the miracle that we can't of, of, of the new birth in their life. In Christ we pray, amen. amen. Let's stand and welcome somebody around you to church.
1: you enough for your grace and mercy and loving tender care to be everything that we need when we don't even know sometimes what we need but you do you know father what every person in this room needs you see inside their hearts you knew them before they were even created Psalms tell us we were fearfully wonderfully made before we were even born so Jesus we come to you this morning thanking you and praising you giving you glory For everything that's done here on Sunday mornings, we give the glory to you, Jesus. And Father, we thank you for the time that we can give our offerings, the money that you give to us. We thank you, Father, for the other things that you give to us, the peace, the joy, the love, the mercy, the grace. Bless it now in the precious name of your Son. forward-living. Amen? Let's stand this morning.
2: Mountains are still being moved. Strongholds are still being loosed. God, we believe. Yes, we can see it. The wonders are still what you do. We are here. Oh so divided and so broken and so against one another. Father, we need to move in our country. We need to move in our county. We need to move in our lives. Father, we pray for unity and not division. We pray for people to come together, unite in the name of Jesus Christ because this world is in need of you. God, we know the problem is they don't even know it. They don't even know it. Father, I pray that your movement your movement, your awakening, will wake up the souls of this land and make a move in our lives and in the lives of your people. Father, we pray even in these moments that you would move in our lives through our pastor as he speaks the words today to us that would move us to you all to a closer relationship with you. We pray these things in your precious son's name.
0: Amen. Amen and i would like to encourage you to take out your sermon notes that are that's in your bulletin and this is the third sermon in this series on overcoming the hurts that we go through in life and today's message okay i need to really to hear what i'm going to say now before i get into the meat of this this message today will not be for everybody today And you may have already raised your kids, and they're gone. But they're probably going to have kids. And so what I want you to do is listen very carefully to the message that the Lord gives us from a parable on hope for hurting parents. Of the things that parents go through, and, and believe it or not, in the first service there were many, many, many who said, you know what, we went through that. A few of them, we're going through that, and I wouldn't doubt that that's going to be true in this service also. So although the things I'm going to say may not apply apply right now, I would really encourage you to take the notes and keep them somewhere. You may want to give them to a child or a niece or a nephew or somebody that needs to hear what we're going to say. And a lot of what I'm going to say is not going to be easy for you to hear Okay, and you may not even agree with it, but don't send me emails, okay? Because if I see it, you know, right off the bat, I'll probably delete it if it's real, real negative. Okay, having said all that, Luke 15 is where we're gonna be, mostly. All in Luke 15. It's a story that your Bible probably titles the story of the prodigal son or the lost son. I would suggest that it should be titled The Story of the Loving Father because that's, that's what this is all about. In this story, when you read about the Father, it's talking, Jesus is talking about God. Okay, we got that? Jesus is talking about God and how he treats us and how we should handle prodigals. In fact, I went to my Webster to find out all these years of preaching. I just assumed that prodigal meant somebody going out there. But the word prodigal means exceedingly or recklessly wasteful. And that surely hits this young man here. Luke 15, the story of the prodigal, if you will. The deepest hurts that we can experience comes from our families comes from our families, our spouse, our children, our relatives. We know that they can be ungrateful, they can be unkind, they can be unfaithful. Uh, And I, I believe that this parable, and by the way, this is a parable, not a story. But I believe this is probably the most famous of the parables. It is a story for you parents that may be hurting or one day will hurt. This is not, listen, this is not just a lesson about God's love, and it is that. It is also a story about parenting. Now, you know, I will share with you, I am not an authority on parenting because I've never had a child. What I've had is 42 years of counseling and, and listening to literally a thousand or more families at least who have gone through some of the things that we might talk about today. Kind of feel like some of you would feel like Charlie Shedd, pastor, true story. And Charlie, when he was single, used to do, and he was a great speaker, he did a seminar on parenting when he was single. And he titled it, How to Raise Your Children. Then he said, after he got married and started talking to his wife about raising kids, he changed the sermon to some suggestions for parents. Then he said, after they had their first child, he changed it to some feeble hints to fellow strugglers. And then he said, after three kids, he ripped it up and quit giving the the sermon altogether. One pastor had true two, two. He had three kids. He had a, a girl first, two boys. And the the girl that was born first was very bright. I mean, at a very young age, she just could pick up anything and and know it, repeat it, and so forth. So he was trying to find life verses for his kids that fit them. And he said the first one was all in First Corinthians. First Corinthians twelve, one. I would not have you to be ignorant, brothers. He, of course, changed it to sisters for his daughter. The second one, he said, when the boy was born, a preschooler, he was always making a mess. Everywhere he went, he left a mess and a pile of stuff, and he was always having to put it away. So he said he chose 1 Corinthians thirteen eleven for that boy, which says, when I became a man, I put away childish things. And then the big one that I like, his baby, the, this, the third, the boy, the, the baby, his verse for him was First Corinthians fifteen fifty one, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. <laughs> we used to have that on the nursery. It was a sign on the nursery for all the babies in there. I guess what I'm saying is I'm not an authority, but God is. And that's what we're going to be looking at today. One of the things that has really bothered me for 42 years in doing this is why godly parents have kids that go astray. It happens all the time. It happens in the Bible. It happens in church history. And over all those years, some of the most godly people I know had kids that went off the deep end And you say, why? Well, I don't know the answer to that. I I don't think there is now a single answer for that. There's a lot of factors, and I think a lot of parents carry around a lot of guilt, thinking that they're the only thing responsible for their kids, and there's not. There are a lot of other factors, as we're going to see, in their life. But as a pastor, I think I see more than other people the hurt, and the heartbreak that happens in a family when one of those members is living a lifestyle that is out of the will of God and it messes up everybody else. Everybody else has to deal with it. So today I want us to look at this story and, and, and listen, this is very vital. We're talking about kids that are out of your control. We're not talking about babies. They are 100% in your control. And the little, and elementary and, 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 and even into high school, I still believe they should be under your control. Now, I know it's hard today with all this d- department of children and families and parents worried that if they really crack down on a rebellious kid, they're going to be hauled off. And, and, and I don't know how to tell you. I could tell you privately about that, but uh, I won't say it here. <clears throat> but what I'm really talking about is when they grow beyond your control. And what we're going to see now, we're going to see three stages in this boy's life. And then under each one, if you'll notice, there'll be three little quick things that we want to say about it. Very important. What is stage one? Rebellion. The boy was in rebellion. And in Luke 15, beginning in verse 11, says this. Jesus said, there's a man who had two sons, and the younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them, and not long after that, the younger son got all he had together, and he set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Now, don't ask me the question of why did he do it. That's not what Jesus is trying to teach us, but he did. He he, he cut it and the the, uh, inheritance in half and gave this young man his half up front. In every parent-child relationship, are you listening? There's going to be a struggle. In every one of them. Some are, I know, some are greater than others. You parents that have multiple kids, you know that even better than, than I could say it. And it's called a struggle for control. And like I said, at birth, you are 100% in control. But as they grow older, you wanna transfer, right? Some responsibility and, and give them responsibility at the appropriate time. They will probably take that as power. Could we at least agree that kids won't control sooner than you wanna give it, okay? They think they deserve it sooner than you're ready to give it out. In case no one's told you, these little babies that I see in here and the babies that are in the nursery have a sin nature. Now, if you don't believe that, then you don't believe all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But if you're a parent for about a month, you know they all have a sin nature. And here we have a classic confrontation. In verse 12, the young boy said, Father, give me, right? Give me. See, that's the root of rebellion. If I could just do as I please, if I didn't have to answer to anybody, life would be great. He was evidently fed up with living on the farm. Rebellion in your family is very unpredictable. See, he had two sons, and they're radically different. One of them is strong-willed, and one of them is complacent, right? And those of you that have multiple kids, you know what I'm talking about. But both of them had problems. Both of them were rebellious. See, you, you can never tell right off which one of your kids is going to be the rebellious one. And a lot of times, it's not even age-related. Here, it's the younger one that's causing all the problems. So in verse 13, it says, he got all he had together, set off for a distant country, and squandered his wealth in wild living. I mean, he is going to live it up. Now I'm out from under mom and dad's control. I can do all the things that were forbidden at home. So he goes to the Sunset Strip in Jerusalem, and he... He rents a Camelac and cruises the boulevard having a ball. His daddy could not keep him at home. Now, you say, what age are you talking about? I don't know. But in our society today, I'm thinking around 18, you know, and and, and on beyond that. Now, what I want us to do, we're talking about rebellion. What do you do when they are legally independent And you can't control them anymore. This father did three difficult things. But I think it's a model for us because, again, this parable represents God. And God is a perfect father. Amen? He was a perfect father. So what do you do when you can't control that kid anymore and they're living a lifestyle opposite of what you want? Here it is. Number one, you may not like this. Let them go. Let them go first service, heard people going, oh, no, but you got to let him go. This father did not chase him. He released him. I mean, now I, I don't know about you, but if I had an 18 year old that came with that request, I wouldn't give him the money. But evidently this guy did for the purposes of the Lord teaching us something here. No doubt in my mind that this daddy would have tried to reason with this boy. Amen. He would have tried to reason with him. Number two, these get harder. Let them go. Number two, let them make their own mistakes. He squandered his wealth in wild living. See, at first, the story's great. It's party time. He's living it up. Again, he probably tried everything that... especially those things that were forbidden at home, tosses his family values to the wind, rejects his background, and is having a great time wasting his life and his wealth. And any of you in here that are young and you haven't started any of this yet, let me tell you, rebellion is always a waste of life. Always. I want three questions to you moms and dads for you to answer these for me. Do you think this father knew that the son was going to start wasting this stuff? Yeah, sure. Do you think he knew that that boy's headed for trouble? Yeah. Do you think he was tempted to try to intervene? Yeah, absolutely. But this father being God realized that there are some things that we can only learn through pain. And the only way this boy was going to learn it was in the school of hard knocks. He was going to learn that out and, out and, listen, I was thinking about this even this morning and I, th- I said, Lord, r- help me to remember to say it. Thank you, Lord, you did. But when I think about the convictions in my life, not the preferences, not the things, you know, convictions that I have, they all came through tough times. I didn't learn them in a the classroom. I learned them through tough times. Now that's risky, but it's the only way for this kid. You let them make their own mistakes. Now, I want to say here, not in your notes, but I want to say it. I want to be direct, but a little kind in what I say. Whenever they go out on their own in rebellion and start living that way, and we'll get to that in a minute about pray for them, but bad things can happen that can ruin their life forever. Take their life, lose their life, lose somebody else's life, be on drugs, and it never seems to end. So you need to be very careful, but you still, you've got to let them make their own mistakes. Proverbs 20, 30, sometimes it takes a painful situation to make us change our ways. Amen? Folks, I've, listen, I've talked to a lot of parents in these years, and many of them have said, if I had it to do over again, I would do less for my kid and make them do more for themselves. But it's hard, and I know it's hard. I watch a lot of you. It's hard to let them go. It's hard, even harder to let them make their own mistakes, and it's even harder to do number three, and that is let them reap the consequences of their mistake. Let them reap the consequences. There is a price tag for rebellion. It says, after he spent everything, he began to be in need. Galatians 6, 7 says, God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. Whatever a man sows, that will he reap. We will will reap what we sow. Luke 15 Beginning in verse um, 14. After he spent everything, there was a severe famine in the whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went out and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. And he longed to fill his stomach with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Party's over. He's broke. He's friendless, empty pockets, empty stomach, empty life. Now, moms and dads, how do you think the parents felt when they saw all this happening? Do you think they ever got together at night one time over maybe a cup of coffee and said, what did we do wrong? Or what mistakes did we make? And you may have, may not have. Let me tell you three things that I believe, not on your notes, if you want to put them, there's three things here that I believe they felt. One, I believe they felt sorry. Sorry for him. My kid, wouldn't you? My kid's out there suffering. How am I going to let him just sit there in a pig pen eating pig slop? I mean, he feels feel like he's dying over there. So you would feel sorry for them. Number two, I believe they were probably embarrassed about what people might be saying. And every time a, a report came back, you know, of what else he was doing, what else he had done. And you know something else, for a kosher Jew, this is about as low as you can go. You couldn't even eat pork, much less touch the pigs or work with them. So you you wonder, how did that fit into Jewish culture? They would be embarrassed. I believe also, number three, they felt a little bit of self-condemnation about, well, what could we have done different? Where did we go wrong? The fact is, everybody makes mistakes in, in being a parent, don't you? you all make mistakes in being a parent that's you know but listen you're not the only influence in your child's life we're talking about older people now right but even that listen listen to this we got a focus on the family coming this week james dobson which i really enjoy started focused on the family here's what he says are your moms and dads listening Important to hear this Once a kid reaches about grade school, at that point, the parent is no longer the primary influence in their life because they spend so much time away from you. But he says, understand, parent responsibility ends where there is no control. If your kids have left home, and they're out of your control, you're not responsible. And I love this statement. You may even want to write this down. He said, you can be responsible to someone and not be responsible for someone. That's a great statement that you might need to know. See, this man is reaping the consequences of his own decision. And there is a great temptation as you moms and dads would know, to intervene. And what I've seen over and over and over and over, and I'm telling you, I have never in 42 years seen it it work. Go rescue them. Bail them out. Fly out where they are. Send them money. It, it, It never works. This father knew something very important for all of us to learn. Nature has a way of disciplining your children that you don't if you'll let it. This father did not intervene, and he let this boy hit rock bottom. Now, are you listening? You still with me? Because he did not intervene, they made it to stage two. Stage two is the boy started reevaluating and regretting what he had done. Wouldn't have happened, though, if the daddy had intervened. It wouldn't have happened. It says in verse 17, when he came to his senses, I wouldn't doubt some of you in here right now are praying that for your kid's life. May not be as severe as this boy, but you're praying that. When is my kid going to wake up and come to their senses? When are they going to see that they're ruining their life? Verses 17, 19, when he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have food to spare? And I'm here, here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father. And I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired men. Notice the change in attitude now. He begins to wise up. He came to himself. Man, this is stupid. What am I doing here? You know, my, my daddy's servants live are living better than this. And the but the fact is, we will almost never change until we get desperate. Um I'm trying to think of a, a saying that I remember about changing. we don't change when we see the light we change when we feel the heat and that's true in our in in the kids lives he's homesick probably sitting in that pig pen man this state this place stinks so he says and this is important i believe in repentance and the reason i know I'm going to tell you in a minute the reason i know he was sincere okay we'll get to that in a minute but think about this in first In verse 12, he says, Father, give me. And in verse 19, Father, make me. See, he's broken. He's got a change of heart. Now, what do you do in stage two while you're waiting for that kid to reevaluate and and, and come back? Are you ready? Fast things to write down. One, pray. Pray and pray and pray and pray they need to be prayed for. You say, well, what do you pray? Well, you can go to the book of Psalms and you can find a lot of things to pray when someone's in trouble, but I have advised people over all the years when they're involved in something like this or a marital thing and someone's stepping out of the boundaries, I have said you need to pray. I think it's in Hosea where it says you build a hedge of thorns around them. So that the world's not attractive and can't get in, and the influences can't get into them anymore. So you pray, folks. Listen, from the day that that child of yours takes its first breath, the enemy is trying to get them and trying to ruin their life. So pray. Number two, commit. Commit them to the Lord. Are you listening? Listen to this. The things that are out of your control are not out of God's control. And that includes your kids. You may not be able to change the situation, but God can. Number three, wait. Wait patiently. Many of you, yeah, oh. Many of many of you are doing that right now. But folks, that's hard, but there is a waiting period. And it takes longer for some. Some are waiting weeks, some are waiting months, some are waiting years. We've got people in here I know from the first service that said, I've been waiting seven years for them to come to themselves. Now, it, it takes longer for some, right? But whatever you do, don't step in and short circuit what God's doing. Now, because the Father waited the son came to stage three. What is that? He returned. He didn't just reevaluate his life. He actually went back. Now, how you handle this, mom and dad, or grandma, grandpa, is very crucial. Verse 20 of chapter 15. So he got up and went to his father, but while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, And was filled with compassion for him. See, this is God, right? This is God. And was filled with compassion for him. He ran and threw his arms around him, and he kissed him. See, he 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 did these three things. We're going to talk about in a minute. Now, remember, this is a father responding. This is not a human being. This is how God would do it. In, In fact, it's what God did for me in my rebellion. He, you know, he was there. He waited. And he, he re- received. Now, let me give you the three things that are hard to do, but they're vital. One, love them faithfully. When they come back, love them faithfully. You never give up. It says his father, while he was still a long way off, was filled with compassion. Not when he came and got his life all back together again. Not when he went home and got a bath. You know, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. You, no, listen, no matter how far they fall, no matter how long you wait, leave the door open for them to have a change of heart and come back, and you love them faithfully. Number two, you accept them unconditionally. Okay, we need to talk about that with just a little bit. You accept them unconditionally. That does not mean you agree with what they did okay? And, and evidently from the story, he's quit doing it because he's going home and he's had a change of heart. You don't agree and you don't allow the sinful living to be brought home uh, to everybody else. But you, but you never give up. You never give up. It says he ran and kissed him and hugged him. Can you imagine, folks, this, this boy, young man, had just come from the pig's There is no, I mean, and it said nobody gave him anything. He probably had slop hardened in his beard, in his hair. I mean, smelled terrible. And I would have have probably, to be honest with you, I'd have probably, when he came out, I said, whoa. (laughs) Go to the house. Tell mama to get the bath ready. And you get a bath and you shave and you change clothes and you come back. He didn't do that. What did he do? He ran out and gave him a bear hug. And he kissed him. And some of you may say, well, Pastor, how can I accept them without lowering my standards? Listen, here's what you need to understand. There's a big difference between accepting someone and approving, right, of what they're doing. You don't have to approve of what they're doing, so don't misunderstand that. Now, I want to say something here about the daddy going out to this child and hugging him. It's the language of love, folks. The the language of acceptance is physical. Daddies, granddaddies, men, can I talk to you for just a minute? Maybe a few ladies, but most ladies don't have a problem with this. It says he ran and he hugged him and he kissed him and he caressed him. Sometimes a hug can make all the difference in the world. And when I'm over there at the youth on Sunday evening, and I'm sitting there watching the kids as we're eating, and they're coming and going and stuff. I think, Brian, I can't tell you how many th- times I've thought, I wonder if that boy or that girl has ever had daddy put their arms around them and say, I love you. I doubt it. I doubt it. And, man, that just that breaks my heart. I lo- I'm so proud of you. What a difference that would make. You say, well, pastor, we weren't brought up there, but change then. <laughs> Daddy, change. Then the son said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. This is how I know. The boy did what he said he was going to do when he was in the pig pen. See, here, here's, if this boy, think about it. If he he was going to keep playing the game like a lot of kids do, he could have said when daddy first ran to him, remember daddy went first and daddy hugged him, he could have said, oh, wait a minute. I don't need to say that now. I'm back in. Couldn't he? That would have been what most would have done. No. He said, still said it, daddy, I'm not worthy to be your son. Make me like a hired servant. Do you make it easy, mom and dad, for your kids to admit it when they've done something wrong? Think about that, please. Number three, forgive them completely. Forgive them completely. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him, put a ring on his finger, sandals on his feet, bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's feast, let's celebrate. Nothing about reminding him over and over of what he had done and, you know, and, and no, you're not going to be allowed to do this and so forth. I, other things I'd like to say, but I'm out of time. I want to tell you the three things he did under this point. Number one, he said, bring forth the robe. In Jewish culture, that was a sign of sonship. Then he said, put a ring on his finger. Now, in case you don't know that, in those days, the ring was a signet. It was like a credit card. If you did a business transaction, he could take daddy's ring, put it in the wax, the deal's done. He could get the money. So the daddy had trusted him. Number three, he was restored to a full relation. He didn't let the boy get away with daddy make me, you know, I'm just, you, you do what, make me do whatever I need to do. No, he made him take responsibility. And I think that's important. Now, As I end here, this story has a happy ending. But for many of you, maybe the jury's still out. Maybe you've got a child out there that you don't don't know if they're ever going to shape up. Maybe they've hurt you and your family deeply. And you wonder why, what do you do? Just what we just said, give your hurts to God. That's what I've been talking about. In this whole series, when I talked about resentment, regret, and now today, uh, children. And and by the way, if if anybody in here by any chance, if you're that rebellious person, please understand it doesn't work. And you're not just responsible for you. It affects everybody that you know and that, that is around you. And the fact is, everybody needs to hear this. For the rest of your life, everything you do will influence other people. Whether you like it or not, whether you want it or not, it will. Now, if there's a word of encouragement that I could give you, it would be this. Hey, the ball game's not over. For some of you, it's the second inning. For some, the fourth. For some, the fifth. But there's still plenty of time for God to do a miracle in their life. I've seen it happen. So keep on praying. And keep on trusting. Follow this, these notes and uh, read the scriptures and let the Lord help you. Let's pray. I want to just say that I, I don't know how any of you that are parents can carry that kind of responsibility without having a deep, abiding faith in God and relying on Him to help you. Truthfully, I don't think you got enough smarts to do that in this culture. God made you to be dependent on him. Some of you may be hurting. Some of you may be afraid you're going to be hurting because you've seen those first signs of rebellion, and it scares you. But God says to you, just like the Father said to the prodigal, come on home. Don't try to get it all together. You'll be welcome. Maybe you would pray, Lord Jesus, please help me to start over. Come into my life. And give me the power to be the person that I'd like to be, the parent I'd like to be. And now if you would just pray for a moment, if you would pray in whatever way you may know someone that you need to pray for who's struggling like this. Lord thank you for today I, I want to ask you to forgive me if I said anything that I shouldn't have or if there was something I should have said and I forgot it I pray that your word because that's all that matters what we say will be forgotten in an hour but your word and what Jesus said will last forever forever And we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. Turn the lights up. Let me see this good-looking group. Have a great day. Enjoy the Sunday afternoon. I know I am.